I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to this episode of Bellwether Hub. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm very, very excited. I'm always very excited when I'm when I'm recording a podcast, but today I'm really very excited. Uh, we have a, a wonderful guest today. Daniel Katz is going to talk to us about Pride and the month of Pride and the history of Pride. And uh, there's a lot to cover. Um, and, and I was talking to Daniel before, and, and I've talked to Daniel a lot before before today, especially on um, on and what we could talk about for a podcast and and all this stuff. And um, I found that that in just talking to Daniel, I had myself a lot to learn and uh, a lot of opinions, um, you know, that have changed over the time of talking to Daniel, just on the way the pride is presented and uh, all of the information that that comes out. And, and and so I found that it was a really good opportunity. And the reason I really wanted to do this podcast was a really opportunity for someone like me to learn more about pride and the history of it and, and you know, possibly what I'm doing wrong and, and what I'm doing right and everything else. And I, I thought it would be beneficial for the listeners. So with that, I would like to introduce Daniel Katz. Daniel, say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hey, everybody, and thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. And um, first, I want to say thank you so much for wanting to top, talk about this topic. I think it is important, and I think it is something that is so very relevant right now, but it is something that I think people have they have a lot of questions about and don't necessarily know who to ask or how to ask. And they're worried about sounding ignorant or or anything like that. And it's just like, sometimes education is just sort of the biggest, a part of it. And you really want to learn. So I think that's, that's important. That's great. And it means a lot to us as part of the community, as part of the LGBT community. So I guess to tell you a little bit about myself, I'm um, originally from DC. My mother's Puerto Rican. My dad is Jewish. I um, actually have two gay uncles and my brother is gay and married as well. And, um, I have a bisexual cousin, so we've just got it all sorts of in the family. You are in the family. Yes, you have it yes. covered. We, if ever there was a reason to believe that it is genetic, it is my family. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and if we ever needed an expert, you would be yep, the expert. That would be me. So, um, but, um, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, I guess, about myself and my sort of journey, I was, I think I was about 10 when I really started to realize that it was different and, you know, had an idea of what gay was, you know, it's like I knew my uncles, they had been out. And so I had a general idea, but it certainly wasn't something that I was okay with at the time. And it took me nine years actually of struggling with it to, to actually come out. And, um, and it was, it was a rough go and suffered from a lot of depression and everything. And I think, which is incredibly common in our community. And I mean, for almost everyone, but mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. our community, most definitely. And, um, and so, but when I came out at 19, I told my parents, I told my family, and I was very much one of the lucky ones. I had an amazing reaction from my family and, um, and from all of our friends and everything. So I've been very, very well supported. And I think that's been 
you know, it's been great for me because it's allowed me to sort of grow in myself, but it's also allowed me to learn more about our, the LGBTQ community and really be able to help and talk to people and understand what's going on with them and hear different stories. And, you know, I can come at it from a place of understanding and love because I was really lucky enough to get that. You had that support. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you talk about, and I, I, Credit social media. I credit a lot of things. Uh, and I don't credit social media a lot, but the fact that people are able to see other people going through this and understand that it's okay. Um, you use the words when you were 10 that you realize that you may have been different. Mm-hmm. And I, do you think that idea of being different is what people really struggle with as they're thinking about coming out, as they're looking for a community to, to reach out to, this idea that I am different? In a negative sense, not necessarily a positive sense, is that what kind of struggle did you have along along those lines? Yeah, I think that's it. I think it's, you know, this feeling particularly because, you know, it's like when you're starting to realize that you're gay, that is, you know, it's the time of puberty and all those things when everyone is wanting to be the same and everyone's sort of figuring out that they're different. But it's a huge struggle at that time in your life, right? And so... Finding out that there is something that is that different with you and that is hard for you to understand and that society doesn't particularly care for and that maybe you are worried your family won't react well or your friends won't react well or, you know, or you're a very religious person and your religion says that it's not okay. You know, it's like there's a lot of, you know, for all that we've made a lot of progress and we Mm -hmm. certainly have, there's still a lot in the world telling you that there's something wrong with you. Yep. And so, yeah, when it's like, and when it's something that is so entrenched in who you are, it's like, you know, we call it your sexual orientation, but when in realistically, it's about who you love. Right. And that's such a huge part of who we are as people. So it is a struggle for me. It was just, I thought that I was never going to be able to have a life that I wanted. And I thought I was going to be rejected by everyone and you know when it's it's hard yeah and you think that that's what's going to happen to you particularly when you're like 10 and 11 and you have nowhere else to go you have no one to talk to you have no right. one and it, you're not necessarily sure of the questions to ask right and you know i mean so as a straight white guy mm-hmm. i've had it extremely easy in my life <laughs> right it's i, I kind of got the royal flush in in the in the in the life game of poker when it comes in, in terms of ease but when i think back to 10 11 12 uh and i grew up with three sisters i didn't necessarily have anybody to talk to i can't imagine what it would be to you know have this layered on top of it to say you know i don't know one, what I'm feeling, two, how to ask about it and who to ask about it. Right, right, yeah. And it was, you know, and I was lucky that in theory, you know, it's like I had my uncles, but they had grown up in such a different time. And actually part of my struggle with it was seeing them struggle Mm -hmm. even, you know, 20, 30 years older than I was. And so it was hard to see that. And then, yes, and you have no idea who you can talk to. And I think it has gotten much better now generally speaking in the states um you know because you have social media because you have the internet because you have all sorts of different things even just representation on television Mm -hmm. you at least begin to see other people right so you may not necessarily have someone to ask the questions directly but at least there's some 
something in front of you that can give you an idea of you're not alone in this. And so I think that has improved things. But even with that, like it's still, you know, I think a lot of people still are worried about how the world's going to take it. And so, yeah, you just you suppress it. You suppress all of your questions and you have no idea where to go. And you don't you never know when some nuts going to come out of anything. And, you know, a person who hasn't, you know, fully come around to the fact that, yes, these people exist and it's okay. They've been around since the dawn of time. Right. right? You might as well just accept it uh, and move on. Um, so let's talk about the progress. Let's talk yeah. about the history. So we've got pride, pride, um, in my little Google searching, you know, <laughs> it's been around for, for, um, uh, a while where it's been officially now, you know, mm-hmm. a month and, and, uh, a month of, uh, just pride accomplishment. And, and I think that's important, but let's talk about the history. You talked about your uncles and how them coming out was at a very different time. Yeah. You coming out at 19 was a very different time than anybody looking to come out today. Yeah. Um, and it's, it becomes a part of who you are, you know, that molds you, the environment you're in when you come out, but it also forges something for the next generation. Talk a little bit about the progress we've made and, and that. Yeah. So, um, you know, as I'm sure many of you may know, it's actually, it's the uh, 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion took place in 1969 here in New York city. And um, Pride really came out of that. It was the next year, June 28th, 1970, when the when a group of people in New York and in a number of different cities around the country held either marches or what they call gay-ins or things like that to sort of celebrate the anniversary of the riots or rebellion or uprising, whatever you really want to call it, um, from from in, at Stonewall. And that's sort of where Pride where it came from. Um, it's certainly progressed and been and changed a lot over the last 50 years from, you know, something that was, you know, we were seen as a very deviant side culture that was just, you know, that was sinners not and okay. Devil. Sinners and devils, absolutely. <laughs> we're all pedophiles and this whole thing, which is absolutely ridiculous. And we've certainly come a very, very long way. And, um, and you know, so now, I guess, looking at what my uncles went through, let's say, you know, it's like they were born and raised in Puerto Rico. So it was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, a lot of the same influences. And, um, and you know, they grew up in a, at a time when it, it really was not okay. It was against the law, for the most part. And even if it wasn't, you know, they did, there was no law in the books that said you cannot be gay. There were so many different laws that were against it, that basically, de facto, you were you were just illegal. It yeah. wasn't until 2003 that the last sodomy or homosexual act laws were stricken from, from or they were called unconstitutional. Some of them are still on the books, but technically they're unconstitutional. But that was 2003. Which fascinates me. When you think about groups of people and you think about uh, the African-American community and you mm-hmm. think about, you know, the, the women's equality stuff that's going on and, and all of the stuff with, with, um, with the LGBT community, is that I'm, I'm 40. I'm not that old. And there is stuff that still hasn't – because you forget. It, right. it changes so quickly where you're like, yeah, of course, it's no problem, right? right. And you know, of course, gay people, yeah, of course, they, gay yeah, people are around, course, it's fine, yeah. yeah, right? My neighbors are gay, they're wonderful people, it's okay. Right. But it wasn't, you know, just when I think back to high school, mm-hmm. which was just 20-something years ago, 
Right. It was very much not okay. And you had these protests against the gay people. Yeah. And it was, I, I just find that fascinating. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, it was, you know, it's like I'm 34 and I legitimately did not think part of my story, like I did not think that I would live to see gay marriage. Obviously that changed very quickly. <laughs> and, you know, it happened when I was, or the beginnings of it happened when I was in college, but I literally did not think that I would see it. And I remember I w in high school, there was, you know, I had a, I went to high school of 1600 people. There was one kid who was out, not me. There was one. <laughs> and, you know, it was just a different, like you just could not be gay and out. It was just not okay. Just didn't do it. You just didn't do it. And it was, I mean, it certainly changed. And actually, I remember when I was, when I was in college, my somehow, I don't know what it was, but the year behind me, and this is something that I've actually heard from a number of different people um, from different schools and everything, that like the year after me, for whatever reason, that year somehow managed to have more people who would come out in high school. Mm. And since then, it's been more and more and more and more and more. And you see a lot more gay straight alliances or, you know, different groups, just high schoolers coming out or like, and even, you know, people who are kids coming out as transgender, as gay or whatever it is. And I think, I mean, it's an amazing thing, but also, you know, we can't forget that even here in the United States, you still have people who aren't allowed to go to prom with their, you know, significant other if they're of the same sex. They can't go to prom if, you know, you're a, you present as a girl and you want to wear a tux and you're not allowed in to the prom. And it's just, I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely ridiculous. And that's, you know, and that's here in the States where we're actually pretty lucky. There are plenty of countries around the world where you can still be killed mm -hmm. for being gay legally. So it's, yeah, it's. Well, let's talk a little bit about that too. I, I could take this in so many different directions. I have so many questions, but <laughs> so geography obviously mm -hmm. has a big impact on this. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what was the first country? Was it Minnesota was the first country? I don't know, that legalized gay marriage? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Was the first state, yeah. So state. you're in a place like Massachusetts. You're in a place like New York. Like you're hanging out in the village. You're going to see gay people. And Absolutely. You, and I feel like a lot of it, acceptance just comes from being around it, right? right. You just know. Yeah, absolutely. San Francisco, obviously, they were right. they were early to the party. Yeah, yeah. How much does that, you know, when what do you see outside of these areas? So when I think of, you know, outside of a major metropolitan area, you take a look at the way that people vote, maybe mm -hmm. in certain parts of the Midwest where you don't see uh, maybe people have these feelings and they're right. not able to come out yet because the rest of the country hasn't quite caught up or outside of the country where uh, whatever country that was, you're stoning people to death. Right, Brunei. Right, which is like let's yeah. go back even further into you know whatever. Um, what, what else has to happen for the rest of the world to catch up or even just the rest of the U.S. to catch up? You know, I think – it's gonna, it's just gonna take time. Unfortunately, it's, you know, there's a lot of continued activism. There's a lot of pushing. There's a lot of, and, but I think, you know, that the very base of it, it's going to be people continuing to come out and really, truly be themselves. I think as a general rule, I think that makes everything better. Mm -hmm. You know, not only in the LGBTQ community and acceptance and everything like that, just generally speaking, but for, that for the LGBT community, I think it is definitely a matter of just when suddenly people realize that it's not, you know, the person who's over there in New York City, but that it's your next door neighbor in Kansas mm -hmm. and that it's the people that you go to church with and that it's your, you know, 
your friend that you've been friends with since you were in high school or whatever. Like when people start to realize that it is these people that they've known their whole lives, then it becomes a totally different thing because you sort of realize that, oh, it's not this far away evil thing. It's literally the person next door. And I think that helps people start to rethink how they see things. And, you know, yes, I think we definitely have a far way to go. And certainly in, you know, a lot of the red states, for instance. Um, (laughs) But, you know, even there, I think we're seeing progress. If you watch, you know, Queer Eye on Netflix, for instance, like they're in Georgia and Kansas, I think, and Missouri or whatever. And, you know, it's like, and you see people who are actually incredibly welcoming. So, you know, obviously, I was aren't... when I lived out. I spent four years in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I was shocked at how open and welcoming the people, particularly Iowa, Iowa and Nebraska, in the cities, right, were very. And do you think it's easier for just people maybe looking to come out in a place like New York or in a place, you know, a metropolitan area where you get to see other people? Does that make it easier? I think. I think it does. You know, I think there's. I think cities just sort of tend to be a little bit more liberal. So it sort of comes with the territory to a certain extent. And then also, yeah, it's like when you shove a whole bunch of different people in the same place, you start to become a lot more welcoming and open to differences because you can't survive if you don't. So I think just based on that, yes, it tends to be a little bit easier. Plus the fact that, you know, if you as a person come out and feel a community that's welcoming – then, you know, you feel much more able to be yourself. And, you know, that you're going to find a larger community in the cities. That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone who's gay wants to be in a city or everyone who's gay comes into a city and finds the group that they feel comfortable with, because that definitely is not the case. Um, But I think, you know, if you're to look at it generally, then, yeah, the cities do tend to be a little bit more open just because you have more people. But at the same time, you know, I have experienced more homophobic slurs thrown at me in New York City I'm than sure. anywhere yeah. else I've lived. Yeah. And, you know, and I lived in Madrid for over a year and, you know, it's a Catholic country, though I will say that their pride is the best I've ever been to in my nice. life. But, All right. <laughs> the Spaniards but can throw a party, man. They throw a party well. They really do. <laughs> but, you know, it's like you figure. So, you know, even with the cities being open and having this massive community here in New York, I've still experienced plenty of homophobia. So I feel like a lot of it. So it's, it's a changing of perception. And so it's going to take time, like yeah, you said. Definitely. But it's also... And I, I think I feel at least maybe it's only because of the industry I'm in, but people recognize that a lot of what they've been told their entire life becomes an assumption. Right. Right. And you were told for people who grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s that being gay was bad. Right. Right. And that you were a sinner and you were the devil and you were, you know, pedophile, yeah, whatever, yeah, exactly, whatever yeah. crazy thing, yeah. stuff. And that becomes a part of who you are. Right. Right. And it becomes a part of, you know, as you be, enter your teen years, your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. That sticks with you. Right, right? absolutely. And, and yeah. even now, you know, no matter how welcoming you are to to the gay community, sometimes you see, you know, two gay guys walking down the street holding hands. You just say, oh, oh yeah, that's okay. okay. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, all right. Maybe pause for a second, but that's right. okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, I mean, you know, truth be told, even for, you know, I mean, speaking for me personally, I, you know, I think even for us in the gay community, that happens, right? Because, like, you still have this sort of internalized homophobia where that we all have to get through, right? Like, that's very much a part of 
our experience is like we've taken what the, what society has said about us and just internalized it to just hate ourselves at first. So it's that's part of the struggle to get past that. So and it's it's I mean for me at least I think it'll be a lifelong struggle. It's certainly something that I've made massive strides towards, of mm-hmm. course. But like you know there are times when you sort of walk down the street and you see someone that's maybe a little bit you know gayer than you are or whatever, and you sort of have this like first glance and you're like oh but you know but at the same time I'm like I'm sitting here and I'm like I'm I walk down the street and I am obviously gay like this is not a you know it's clear I'll be honest I knew you were gay the first time I met you exactly yeah Yeah. this is not like it's not something I can hide it's not something I try to hide but like it's not something I can hide right so like there's there's that and um and so yeah I think it's just one of those things that we have to deal with. So changing perception then brings me to, you know, what misperceptions still exist about the LGBT? First of all, is it LGBT community, LGBTQ? Is it the gay community? How am I supposed to help it's me learn? That, oh man, that totally depends on the person you talk to, to be perfectly frank. Wow. Um, it is, I think, in the States, it is usually more widely known as the LGBT community. That being said, that very much depends, again, like on who you talk to, where you are in the country and everything, for instance. And one of the things that I think is important for people to understand is that, you know, we're not a monolith, right? Just like any other minority group or any other group around the world, like we are not a monolith. We don't all think exactly the same way. So for instance, I, you know, I struggle with the word queer, Right. Because when I grew up, it was a slur and queer, you know, to me, it has a dictionary definition of odd in not a great way. So it's a struggle for me to use that as the term that I would identify as or calling it the queer community. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there are a lot of people who see queer as being much more open to everything. Right. Because instead of having to add this long list of letters of mm-hmm. LGBTQIA, you know, it's like all of these, this alphabet Pound sign. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like you can just have this one word that in that incorporates lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, nonconforming, you know, non-binary, all of these different identities that are out there that. You know, if you add them to a list, you're just going to be saying, you know, a name that takes you 15 minutes to get through to say one community, whereas you can just use queer and it covers it all. And, you know, and in truth, like I have become much more comfortable with it. I still don't identify as queer, um, but I know a lot of people who do. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people outside the community struggle with. Like you, you know, you ask, like, what am I supposed to say? And, you know, sometimes you might fear that you're saying the wrong mm-hmm. thing to somebody. Hopefully, from the perspective of, you know, the LGBTQ community, we are okay with whatever you say to us as long as it's not a slur. Sure. And if when we say, no, that's not what I prefer, if you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll call you like, I will, I will I respect that I will and, respect I will, that and yeah. I'll do this from now on. Right. So like. You know, because the person next to me is going to say, no, I don't want to be called gay. I want to be called queer. And I'm going to say, I prefer gay over queer. 
What are you supposed to do? I'll just call you by your first name. Uh, right. I mean, yes. <laughs> Usually that's better. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, but understanding identity, like that's, you know, it's just a matter of like of listening, mm-hmm. of asking the question and listening and being respectful of the answer and saying, okay, I get what you want. I, I am down for understanding that and working with you on that. And um, I think that's sort of the most important thing. Um, but going back to your question, which was... So, yeah. So what misperceptions? Right. Because we're changing perception. Right. Absolutely. And and I feel like some people, myself included, need to unlearn what was just told to them. You know, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s. I grew right. up... Well, I was born in the late 70s, but child of the 80s, I guess. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I went to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic grade school. You know, you, right. you get all that stuff and it changes over time. Right. So what misperceptions do you see? You know, there are people who could be supportive of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still, you know, there's stuff always in the back of their mind. Are there any per- misperceptions that you would want to say that, yeah, people, you know, I hear this, but it's not actually accurate? Yeah, I think – there are sort of two big ones. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you spoke to anyone, they'd probably have different answers, right? Um, but I think two of the things that I tend to see are sort of the like extremes, right? Where they people either think that we are the, you know, cis, which means, you know, that you are the – that your gender orientation, that your gender the, – the way that you express your gender – aligns with what you were biologically defined as as a baby. So I am male because of, you know, my sex and I present as male, that makes me cis. Right? So um so people think that we are cis gay white men who make good money, love fashion, love Lady Gaga, spend Will all their Grace. time on Right. Yeah. Will and Grace. Exactly. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong, Will and Grace has its place and it's fantastic in its way. But, you know, people think that that's who we are and we, you know, all of our friends are gay or, are gay or women and we love our fag right. hags and this you whole thing. Your, you have your nice little wine spritzers on Sunday afternoons. Right. And, exactly. Right. And it's like, mm, well, sure, <laughs> those people exist, but that's far from who we all are. Very, very far from who we all are. Um, and then I think there are also then sort of on the other side, people think that we're these deviants who, you know, only think about sex, who are, crazy you know, sex cra- orgies. Yeah, crazy sex orgies that we, you know, all do drugs and that we, all we want to do is go out to a club or whatever. And that we, you know, are pedophiles or whatever, that we are anti-religion, that we're, you know, communists, that we're whatever, which none of those things are wrong. Like all that's fine. I mean, pedophilia is a problem. But yeah, other than that, you know, it's like everything else is like, you know be what you want to be and be true to yourself. And that's totally fine. But the fact that people think that we are all one of those things is a problem because it takes away your agency as a person to be something different. And, you know, there are people who are gay, who are, you know, who want to live in the country, who want to have one partner and have never done drugs in their life, don't want to live in a city, don't have any fashion sense, don't make that much money. You know, it was like whatever There are it gay is. people who like deep sea fishing. Exactly. Right. There, and, you know, and then there are, you know, people who are queer of color who, you know, walk down the street sometimes, like one day they're totally masculine wearing, you know, just the butchest thing you can think of and the next day they're wearing heels and lipstick. And, you know, some people have 
you know, are, are pansexual and they have a number of different partners or they have, you know, they live together as a group of three or whatever. There's so many different things in this community and so many different identities. And the fact is, that, like, we are part of every other community also. Mm-hmm. Like, there is not a single community in the world that does not include us. Like, we are Latino, we are Asian, we are white, we are black, we are Native American, we are everywhere. And so thinking that we are one thing, that we are one monolith, and that we have one idea is just plain wrong. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it is – because when you think about it, it's, you know, all of those different scenarios, like you said, they're not wrong. Right. Right? Why are they wrong? And that's what people – you know, people I feel – part of the misperception is that that gay people are wrong. Right. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. But who's to dictate the way it is supposed to be? Right. Everybody works in it in a different way. Right. But I love, and I, I hope that there are some people listening who maybe are not particularly supportive, but just know the fact that gay people are everywhere. We are <laughs> everywhere. We really, really are. We really are. And we just keep coming out more and That's more and right. more. And um And the community is growing. Right. And and you know, and the fact is also is that like it's not only just people who you know, who are gay or who identify as gay, right? Like everyone has some aspect of it in you, right? Like there's I mean, you know, if you look at the Kinsey scale or you know, it's like when Kinsey came out with his studies, it was huge. It made it blew people's minds because it was like almost he said what, almost fifty percent of American men had some homosexual thoughts right even it was just that but like and or had acted at acted it out in one way or another at one point and you know and that's that's the thing like that's fine like you don't have to be a member of the gay community per se to have gay feelings or whatever and just you know act like you know it's totally cliche but love is love and Mm -hmm. whatever you want to do is perfectly fine as long as you are doing it within you know as long as you're not hurting other people, as long as children, everybody's a willing whatever, participant, and everyone's a willing participant, yes. then like, you know what? Like, do you? Who cares, it's totally man. fine. Yeah. And you know, and it doesn't make you one thing or another. It doesn't make you wrong or right or anything. I think it's just sort of been this thing that we've had over the last however many thousands of years that like we just want this one thing to be true and we and you know people who were in power wanted to be able to control others and you know what's a better way to control you than to come into your bedroom and tell you what you can do so and i don't want them in my bedroom anymore. no no i really don't <laughs> really don't so this is a month mm-hmm. um of pride and we yes. celebrate all month right at the end of this month we're gonna have the the anniversary of stonewall correct not necessarily a celebration, but a remembrance. Right. Right. Um, what about the other 11 months? What, what can people do to support the gay community the other 11 months of the year? Because – and this is going to be a two-part question because I feel like it becomes commoditized in the, in the right. month of June. Yeah, most definitely. Everybody is – everyone's a major supporter and right. every company puts out a sign and it's an right. advertising mechanism now. Absolutely. And, um it's a very capitalist thing now. A very capitalist thing, which I was just telling you before the show is one guy posted on social media. He walked into a mall and it was um, flags everywhere. And he said, I hate this corporate taking over. Right. But if I had seen it when I was a child, I may have had a very different right. life, you know? Right. What can we do with the other 11 months and how much does this just get annoying 
for the gay community where you're like, you're not really just supporting us. You're just right. trying to make a buck off it. Right. Well, I think I'm, you know, the biggest thing to me that people can do is demonstrate that you are a safe person to be around, right? Like demonstrate, not just say, but demonstrate that when I talk to you about being gay, that you are okay with it. That, and also understand that realistically, like I don't need your tolerance. I don't need your acceptance. It's my own deal. Mm -hmm. Like your problems with it are your problems. But like demonstrating that to you, it's not even a question. Like it doesn't matter. Like this is as if I were to say I have black hair. Okay, well, duh. Like fine. Good for you. Yeah, great. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, it's like and then demonstrate it like and if you have children or are around family members or, you know, friends or anything like demonstrating that to them also and per- but particularly to children showing them that their sense of self whatever it is whether it's you know a little bit more what we define as masculine or a little bit more is what we define as feminine or what your sexuality may end up being or how you present yourself whatever that whatever it is is fine that you know it's like if you have a son and he decides he wants to play with a barbie get him a barbie who the hell cares Right. Like it really does not matter. Demonstrating that changes how we grow. Right. Like it not only does it change that child and make that child understand that they can be who they are, whatever that is. It also then like that spreads. Right. Like that just spreads. And if you can do that both for your children and for the people around you, then that makes it a much safer place for everyone else. And so I think that's sort of the the main easy, well, not easy, but, you know, the main thing to do day to day is show that you are okay and show that you are interested and willing to be educated. And then, you know, besides that, I think there's, you know, there is the educating yourself. There's, you know, listening to a podcast like this. There's listening to other podcasts and other TV shows and other documentaries or whatever that talk about all sorts of different things about gender identities, sexual orientation, you know, discrimination, the history of the LGBT community, anything like that, just to, you know, get an idea of what's going on and what people deal with. And then, you know, and then, you know, if you want to support organizations, right? Like there are phenomenal organizations around the country and around the world that do amazing work on behalf of the LGBTQ community. And, you know, some of them will be right in your community. Some of them will be national and some of them will be international. And, you know, there's the Trevor Project, there's GLSEN, there's the National Center for Transgender Equality, there's the, you know, HRC, which is one of the big ones that people know about, the Human Rights Campaign. And so, you know, and Lambda Legal and, you know, and uh, GLAD. There are so many different organizations that do amazing work that, you know, organize or, um, you know, donating to them or volunteering with them is a phenomenal way to help out, and not just during June, but right. all, all year dur- round. Yeah, all year round, and um, and I think yeah, that's I think the best way really to be supportive. I like the um, I like what I like all of what you said, but I particularly like the actions, not words, right? Right, and just being supportive of people just by. Being open to them being – and it it's – the word indifference comes to mind, but it's not really indifference. Right. But it's that, you know, I don't care the way that you are, but I right. still want you at my table. Right. Right? And that's, you know, you're bringing the best of you and that's all that I ask and right. whatever that best of you is, 
I'm indifferent to that. Right. As long as it's not harming anybody or, you know, right. all that exactly. other stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, that's the thing. It's like we, you know, we want a seat at the table, right? Just like women, just like other minorities, just Native Americans, Latino, black people, what Asian, like we all want a seat at the table. We should have a seat at the table. In fact, we should probably have a table ourselves and we will welcome you. Yeah. But <laughs> well, look, I'll be honest with all my, all my gay friends always have the better tables anyway, because they're having the exactly. most fun and eating the best food. Right. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, we know, we know how to have a good time because we've had to create our own spaces for the most part. And we've had to, you know, with all of the things that we've struggled with, we've had to create our safe spaces and we've had to create our celebrations. You know, it's like you look at the ball culture from the 80s that, you know, it's like the voguing and with, you know, if you watch Pose on FX right now, um, the second season actually just started, I think, and they, it talks about the this community in Harlem and in the West Village in the 80s in New York City that was this, you know, was a lot of transgender people of color and and gay people of color and they were you know just at the bottom of the barrel as far as power and access and so that you know it's like a lot of them were out on the streets a lot of them were you know it's like the hiv aids epidemic hit them hard the and you know and they just had nowhere to be and they had no rights and they were just pushed out everywhere and they created this celebratory culture that to this day actually ha- i mean has had a major effect on our um american culture so like and so much that people don't even realize how is it that always the outcasts become the coolest people they're always outcast and then everyone wants to be like them right Except they want to be like them. They don't want to accept them and That's give right. them they their They just want place. to take their... They just want to take right. it. They want to appropriate <laughs> and let's do this. And it's, yes, it is endlessly frustrating. And, you know, and even for someone, you know, it's like, and I, you know, I recognize that, yes, I'm gay. Yes, I'm Latino. Yes, whatever. But, like, I do come from a place of privilege. Like, I had a very, you know, I had a comfortable upbringing. I had a family that supported me. And, you know, and for all... You know, it's like I'm not dark skinned, so I, you know, unfortunately to say it this way is like I lucked out on that regard. And it's like a <laughs> terrible thing to say, but there it is. And um and so I came from a place of privilege, but even for me, I'm like it is endlessly frustrating to see myself and all these other people have their culture just taken and have it be commoditized and capitalized on, meanwhile, they're still being left out. Yeah. And it's just I mean, it's it's terrible. And like, and the thing, I mean, just like the number of things that we have taken from just the Vogue and ball culture from the 80s that we use now, even just the words that we say, it would shock you how many things. And people have no idea that that even existed. Hmm. And, you know, it's like voguing was not, you know, it's like Madonna did not invent voguing. Right. Right. Like that was. But that's when, when you hear voguing, you think of Madonna. You think of that's Madonna. Yeah. Right. But nope, not her thing. <laughs> and they, I mean, you know, she certainly, I suppose, made it a little bit more, you know, more well known. But, you know, it was a guy who was in that culture, who came from that ball culture, who choreographed for her. Right. And it was those dancers and everything. So like this was not a thing that was just made up by this upper echelon. Like Madonna's a thief. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, hopefully, I, you know, I don't and I've heard both ways, but like hopefully she recognized, 
you know, and and gave power to these people to some degree. Sure. But, you know, perhaps not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to get – there's yeah. no way on a podcast for the LGBT community or talking about the LGBT community am I going to get in an argument about Madonna. Yeah, no, definitely not. not. I don't want to talk about it either. There's no victory <laughs> no, there's in no any victory. way, shape, there's or form no about that. No, definitely not. Um, so what's next? Is there anything else that you can leave us with um, – this has all been extremely, extremely interesting. I've learned a lot. Um, what's next for for you, for people, for anything that you can just kind of give us some parting bits of knowledge? Um, and then I'm going to ask you for your book recommendation. Yeah. No, I think um, what's next, I think, is really just, you know, continuing the fight, right? Like continuing to be activists continuing to go from both sides. I think that's one of the things that people often struggle with is that, you know, it's like, do you sort of change things from the inside or do, or are you a radical on the outside changing things? And I think when it comes right down to it, we need both, right? Like you need people on both sides who are pushing things from each direction because that's really the only way that we make change for everyone. You know, it's like the same thing with the civil rights movement. You had, you know, people trying to do it from the inside and work within the structures and you had people on the outside fighting everything, trying to tear things down. It takes both. So I think, you know, understanding that continuing that activity is important and understanding sort of each other saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm okay with each like I may not agree exactly with how this other or person does it, completely. or understand right. completely exactly how that other person does it. Like understand that that is part of how things move forward, and um, and I think you know just realizing that it's gonna take time, but realizing that pushing forward is just vital. But then also like understanding intersectionality, I think is one of the other important things that like, like I said before, the LGBT, LGBT community is part of every other community. And so, you know, if my rights as an LGBT person are progressing, but the, you know, but the rights of the African American community aren't, well, that's still a problem. Because I have people in that community also. And because guess what, you know, it's like if Again, sort of cliche, but like if all of us aren't free, none of us are. Right. So it is understanding that we have to work together and that, you know, looking at it from the sort of minority perspective, like we are all minorities. We are all fighting a similar struggle. Obviously, there are huge differences, but like at its sort of core is the same. And, you know, understanding that and working together and figuring out how to support each other and lift each other up is huge and will really be the only way for us to actually make the progress that we really want to see. I think it's very well said. Well, thanks. Yeah, I think it's very well said. Uh, we end every podcast with a book recommendation. Yeah. So I actually came with a couple. One is on um, sort of on this topic. Like if you want to hear if you want to read more about the history of Stonewall and where it came from and how it changed things, because you have to figure it was not, you know, the gay rights movement didn't start there. It was a huge shift, mm -hmm. most definitely. It really made it louder and more radical and more active. And visible. But, and visible. Yep. But it, you know, but it didn't start there. So, but, so getting to understand the context and then what really happened at Stonewall and sort of 
what came next. There's a book called Stonewall, The Riots That Sparked the Gay Revolution by David Carter. He went into a lot of stuff, a lot of detail and researched a lot. So it's a great book to sort of to if you want to start and really get a basic understanding. It's a great, great place. Um, then two others really quickly. There's Stom Spanbauer, Tom Spanbauer, uh, The Man Who Fell in Love with the Moon. It's just a beautiful story. It's a Native American um, bisexual kid in the West, the turn of the century. And it's just a, it's a beautiful story. And then one other that I recently read, I think last year, um, Homegoing by Yagyasi is just one of the best books I've ever read. It tells the story of a of an African family that gets separated and part of the family remains in Africa and part of the family ends up in the States for, or, well, in the colonies during, um, it, you know, is taken as, as, as one of the family members is taken as a slave. And then it's sort of the, the family story on both sides through generations. And it's just beautifully written and the story is amazing. And I think it sort of fits in with what we're talking about, about sort of just like seeing how, we grow and how acceptance grows and how we, you know, gain our power and how families and where you are and your circumstances can define that. Awesome. Now I have three more books. That three I, more books. I know. My <laughs> wife's going to kill me. I've got so many books stacked at home, but that sounds that sounds perfect. Um, Daniel, thank you. This thank you. Was, uh, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, um, likewise. And I hope uh, I hope the listeners, I'm sure they will, will will definitely learn from it. And uh, I hope so. I, I do. You wish a happy Pride Month. You do. You do. You do. Right. Yep. Happy I, Pride. I happy Pride. pride. Yep. Um, and and you know what? Also, Happy July and August and September and every other month <laughs> yes, of the year as well. Exactly. Um, more information on Daniel and this topic. I'll I'll put links to his books. Are all going to be on the website www.bellweatherhub.com. Uh, come join us on there. I've got some events coming up. Uh, again, Daniel, thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to seeing you out there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Now do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon. Bellwether.